Bring it in. Welcome in to the Read Option, the world's most famous baseball podcast. That's right. We only talk about baseball on this podcast. We never talk about football. We've never talked about it. Only baseball and the Philadelphia Phillies are in the World Series. Uh, boys, mm. how are you? Congratulations yeah. to the Phillies, right? Baseball Let's podcast. Go. That's what we're yeah. doing here. Now you want to talk baseball. Okay. <laughs> yes. I see how it is. I get yeah. the picture. <laughs> A team's in the fucking World Series, man. I don't know. I know what else it's I great, man. Say. It's it's, it's the great, best. and the way the way they got there was fun too. That was we were talking in the in the pre-show. Um, I was the same as you guys, man. Once the the Phillies game was on and it got into the middle of the game, at least because uh, I was driving for for part of yesterday back home from Pittsburgh. But uh, once once that Phillies Phillies game went on, Red Zone went on the phone, and the 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 one TV I had in front of me had the uh, the Phillies game on it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, man, it was electric. Playoff baseball, nothing like it. That's except city. Ohio State week. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. Um, that city was unbelievable. Vito, you were out with the masses in Philly post uh, World Series clinch. Uh, give us the uh, the play by play from the street, uh, the streets of Philadelphia. Oh man, I love this fucking Thanks, city. Bruce. As you can tell, my voice is kind of, <clears throat> you know, a little raspy. Uh, maybe I was yelling downtown last night for a couple hours. Who knows? But uh, no, it's actually. I was only out there for a little while, but man, I got to tell you, fireworks going off right in between buildings, uh, people just doing chants, um, people climbing poles. Philly was like, I think eight and one against Crisco last night. One guy did slip and fall, but besides that, you know, pretty, pretty good showing from Philly out there. Uh, mm-hmm. They do grease up the poles and uh, Philly still won. So they need to figure that out. But um, outside of that, dude, it was so fun. Uh, like I said, people were even climbing poles, getting down, dapping up police officers. They didn't give a shit. It was electric. Um, and again, you, it had people like me who I've said on this pod before, I don't care about baseball. I'm not interested, man. It had me electric. I was in the same way that Scotty was. I moved red zone over. This is like blasphemy for me. I moved it over to a second screen to have baseball on first. I've never done that in my life. Who um, are you? <laughs> it was dude. It's it, there's something about this town and Jeff said it like living here and being here in this city and the excitement from the Eagles and the Phillies back to the Eagles, back to the Philly. It's been wild. And the fact that this success has come on, how can you not just root for these people and go absolutely berserk? It's so fun. There's a great picture of a little kid who's like six years old, double birding off a camera and he's just smiling. His his dad's like happy for, he's like, that's how you do it. Like that's Philly. And like, and not in like a, oh wow, those kids are assholes way. It's like, no, we're just, you know, it's Philly. I don't know how else to describe it. Once you get the vibe, man, and, and you're on a winning Philly vibe, Again, Eagles undefeated, going to the World Series. Jeff, couldn't be happier for you. I'm here, but I know these are your teams. So how do well, you feel about it? I mean, so, yeah, I, you you summed it up very, very well, Vito. If, you, if you're not a fan of one of the rivals, it's hard not to pull for, for this city and for the people. Yeah. It just is. Like, if now, if you're a Cowboys fan or New York guy or Boston guy or whatever, I get it, right? It's the rivalries. It happens. No, no. No issue from that with me on on that stuff. But other than that, this team is so incredibly likable. Um, everybody from the top down, it's just an unbelievably electric team when everything's clicking. And this is a fan base too. I mean, we had a great run in the late 2000s with the Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins run. 
But other than that, the Phillies are the losingest franchise in the history of pro baseball. Right. We're, we're not a, a well, they've been around since 1876. So, I mean, <laughs> that true. That helps. That helps. But no, the, the point being that even aside from the longevity, there is a lot of losing in the history of the Philadelphia Phillies. And Philly's a great baseball town. It's an amazing sports town. We know this. We've talked about it time after time. And yes, I'm biased, but we got two kids from, you know, the West Coast here on this podcast and a Niners fan and a Broncos fan and guys who have no real ties other than, you know, when you guys came out East and you've understood, like when you guys first moved out here and you guys first were at Penn state and you're meeting these Eagles fans all over the place, like, man, these are some crazy motherfuckers. And we are, man, we are. And we care about it more than anybody else. When we win, we celebrate it more. I've watched that Bryce Harper home run clip 8 million times today. Like I, I honestly no hyperbole. I've probably watched it over a hundred times. Like I, I love that clip. The way the crowd reacts is, you know, beers flying in the air. Like it, oh, yeah. it's just, it's pandemonium. <clears throat> and to take a sport like baseball and playoff baseball is always electric. Mm-hmm. Being a fan and watching your team in playoff baseball is incredibly stressful. But from the top down, the dancing on my own song, like it's so just fun. Everything about it. It's like, and my girlfriend had a great line about it. She's like, that's not really like a hype song. Like, that's not really like a good pop. Like, it doesn't really make sense. And I'm like, exactly. That's why it's perfect because it makes no fucking sense at all. Yeah. It's not dreams and nightmares, but it's it, it fits perfectly for this weird team that is out now found themselves. And I told you guys before this, and I don't have the tweet up in front of me, but shout out to the guy who wrote this. You know, he essentially was like, so you're telling me that a plucky underdog team from Philadelphia is going to be playing in a championship against the team that's notorious for cheating and hated by the world. And it forces the rest of the country to root for the Philadelphia team that everyone else hates. So you're saying this has happened before yeah. the 2017, 2018 <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. It's exactly what this is. And it, uh, it rings a bell just like the, uh, the Phillies are. It, and the Astros scare the shit out of me. I'm not going to lie. I'd love to come in, you know, with, with they haven't the lost a playoff game, Jeff. I know. <laughs> I know they're really fucking good, but you know what? <laughs> Zach Wheeler's been fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Aaron Nola has been amazing. Ranger Suarez has been amazing. That's three out of the, out of the gate there. The Phillies can mash against anybody. They played, they clinched the playoffs this year against Houston in Houston. Yeah. And again, that Houston was still trying to win. So I obviously I'm going to roll with the Phillies. I can't wait. And this is the last thing we'll say, because yes, we are going to talk about football mainly on the pod, but we couldn't not start with this. Philadelphia starting Friday night this week. We have World Series Friday, World Series Saturday, Eagles Sunday, World Series Game Three Monday, Game Two uh, Tuesday, or sorry, Game Four Tuesday, Game Five Wednesday, off Thursday if the, this is all necessary. Eagles play Thursday night, and then Friday Saturday for Games Five and Six. Literally wow. from Friday to the following Saturday, there are either World Series games or the Philadelphia Eagles playing and, and somehow it worked out that well. It Philly's the center of the sports universe and all y'all have to fucking deal with it. And I love it. <laughs> um, that being said, I got the Philly out. Let's talk about Sunday, uh, Sunday. We can touch a little bit on Thursday night football as well. Um, D hop returning to the lineup. Cardinals started to look good, at least better. Um, yeah, they have the a run game. Time, apparently. <laughs> they put up 42 points. You think, oh, everything's all hunky-dory. And meanwhile, you have Kyler Murray 
coming off the field, screaming at Cliff Kingsbury, calm the fuck down, calm the fuck down. Um, little trouble in, I uh, wouldn't quite call I, it paradise, but things don't look great in Arizona despite them pulling off a, a win there against New Orleans. I told you guys last week when you brought it up, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, there's something brewing there in Arizona, and, and I think it's going to end poorly for him. I, I think that, I mean, they got the win. I, what's good about this is you, you hit that quarter pole and it was like, dude, two and four. If we go to two and five, which the Saints are now because they lost. But if, if you know, one of these teams is going to go to two and five, and that's really, that's insanely hard to come back from. The good part is you can kind of blame this whole Arizona thing on, hey, we didn't have Hopkins, right? We're missing pieces. We're going to come back here. Um, and they started playing well. They, uh, they rushed the ball pretty well with, uh, Benjamin there. And, and yeah. I thought that they put together an overall pretty good performance. They gave up a lot of passing yards. I think that, I mean, I think Dalton threw for like almost, yeah, 360. Um, and Taysom had some on top of that. So like they let it up in the air, but, um, a lot of turnovers had three picks and that's what kept them in it. I love the style of defense aggressive and everything like that. Either boom or bust, but at the same time, you know, give it up to this, this offense. And, uh, and finally showing us why you have an offensive head coach, why you drafted Kyler number one and why you traded for Hopkins. It's because of games like this. Yeah. And, and hey, look, a win is a win, but you don't feel good leaving this game as an Arizona Cardinals fan. Probably don't feel good leaving this game as Kyler Murray. I mean, having D-Hop back was huge. I can see why, you know, look, if Hollywood Brown doesn't go out, then at least you have Hollywood and D-Hop. Yeah. D-Hop getting 14 targets in his first game back. Um, put up over 100 yards, 10 catches, had a really good, you know, really good showing. Uh, the thing is still with this Cardinals team, I, I don't think they know who they are. I, I, and I also think they got lucky. I called this at the beginning of the year. I thought the Saints defense was not going to be anywhere close to as good as they were over the last few years when they were one of the best defenses in football. And so far that has panned out. Um, you look at games against like Atlanta, Arizona, Seattle, like teams are putting up a ton of points against this Saints team. And obviously no Jameis. I don't know how much better the offense is with Jameis versus Andy Dalton slash Taysom Hill either. So maybe the Cardinals just got a break here. I don't feel good about either of these teams if I'm a fan. Um, and maybe the Cardinals turn it around a little bit here because that division's wide open. The first place Seattle Seahawks did not think we were going to be saying that going into week eight. Quiet, but you. Here we are. It's true. Seattle Seahawks winning record. And even still Arizona, who's had all these problems, they're only two games back of first place. And I don't know who else is going to make the playoffs. The Giants, I expect to have some sort of regression here. The, the Cowboys, I think, are definitely going to be a playoff team. The Eagles are definitely going to be a playoff team. But I think there's at least one, probably two wild card spots. And with the way that everyone else in this um, conference is looking, I mean, it might as, it, why not the Cardinals, right? But at the same time, it just feels so incoherent from top to bottom of that organization right now. It just seems like there's no consistency. There's no foundation there. And a lot of it is just Kyler Murray running around doing crazy shit. And now he's got one of the best receivers in football back on his side, which helps when that's kind of your offensive game. Plan. Yeah. I mean, it is. I, the thing is though, is that like, we've seen it work before in different ways. Right. I mean, like Brett Favre did this for basically 20 years, although he just was at a whole nother level of durability, right? Like yeah. that, that was the thing. He was Kyler, but bigger, not as fast, but insanely durable and was so fun. But to this, to your point about this defense and the Saints currently right now, they're last in points. They've given up 200 points in six games. 
that's a lot of goddamn Ooh. points. So like you can't win as a saints team, if you're not airing it out, going deep. And right now they had Dalton in there, you know, Jameis might come back. I don't know what's going to happen here, but this, this whole team, I mean, Andy Dalton wasn't turning it over. He was playing pretty well, but once you start having games like this, you can't win. Um, especially with this kind of defense. So you're absolutely got, right about that regression on defense, man. He's got nobody to throw to. I mean, Olave has came back, and that was basically it. It was Olave and Jawan Johnson. Well, um, yeah. Michael Michael Thomas has missed four straight games too. Yeah, you know, everyone was freaking out that he was actually going to come back this year, and I held fast on my take. Like, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, he came back and had like one really solid game, and then other than that, he hasn't done anything, and then he's been hurt. You know, like some guys are just kind of like that. There is no one to throw to on this team. Kamara yeah. does not seem to be even close to the version of Kamara we've seen over the last few years. And he's battled his own injuries and his own off the field stuff too. I don't think there's a whole lot to like as an Eagles fan. Selfishly, we get their first round pick. And if the season were to end today, that would be a top five pick for the Eagles, which is freaking <laughs> crazy considering where the uh, Eagles are at right now. Um, all right, let's move to the Sunday games. We're, again, this is the return of our burning questions. So each mm. game we'll have a question to lead off before we talk about it. Um, Bengals 35, Falcons 17. The Bengals finally looks, looks like their offense is together. Um, what is the Bengals' record by season's end right now? They're sitting at four and three. They just get above 500. The offense finally looks like it's gotten together a little bit. And there's some interesting and more advanced stuff that they've done here too. Uh, that might be key to it, but if you could redo your pick right now, Bengals sitting at four and three, what is their record by the end of the season? I'm going to say 11 and six. I think they're going on a pretty good streak here. I think they'll get yes, yeah, seven more wins, three losses. I, I think, and that's even, you know, I know they have a schedule up here. They, they have at the Ravens, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They have, uh, I was looking at, they already played the Ravens, but they have Kansas city. They've at Tampa Bay and we'll talk about them. They have the bills. They have the Ravens at the end of the year. I think there's a, t- a couple tough games and I think they will be in a spot where they don't need to go on a four game win streak or whatever it was last year to make the playoffs. Um, but I do think that, you know, overall they've improved a lot and they're finally found their groove, right? Their first couple of weeks, I think we're a fluke. I mean, I don't think Joe Burrow is going to have 300, whatever passing yards by halftime that he did this time, but, I also don't think that, uh, you know, they're, they're a team that you want to sleep on. I do think they have a few more losses, but they're definitely going to make the playoffs, in my opinion. My, my concern is defense with them because even for as good as, as you know, the, the over the past couple of weeks as their defense has looked, they're getting to the quarterback still, which is good. But, I mean, a lot of these teams you're going up against in the next few weeks after your bye have good offensive lines, Titans, Chiefs, Browns, um, Buccaneers. <laughs> uh, but in any case, uh, I, I think that their secondary didn't impress me yesterday at all. Like the second level, even linebacking core and uh, and secondary. Eli Apple looked absolutely terrible for like the fourth straight game. Uh, and to me, you know, you go matchup wise, I think on, on offense, they can match up with anyone. Uh, but but defensively is where they're going to get burned in some of these games. And I think, yeah, I'm, I'm at about 10 wins. Uh, 10, 11 in that range, but I'll stick with 10. I think 10, that's where I would have them. I mean, they need six more wins. And to be honest, it's hard to find six wins on their schedule, right? Games that I feel like are definite locks. They get at Cleveland next week, but even still AFC North weird shit happens, right? Um, they'll get Cleveland again later on, but it'll be with Deshaun Watson, not with Jacoby Brissett. So 
can't even count the second game against Cleveland as a win. You got Carolina, which should be a win. Pittsburgh, which should be a win. And then you could tell me they win or lose any of these games remaining uh, at Tennessee, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, New England, Buffalo, and then home against Baltimore to close it out. Any of those games could be losses. Uh, And I think all but Kansas City and Buffalo would be wins. And even still, I wouldn't completely rule out, you know, an upset there home against Kansas City or home against Buffalo. Uh, that Buffalo is going to be a Monday night game too, the day after New Year's. So that's going to be a fun game. Yeah. Um, but here's the reason I bring it up is because I don't think their schedule or their record or schedule will be as indicative of how good I think this football team is. Yeah. Cause I think this Agreed. is a, I think this is a good football team. I think defensively they have figured some stuff out and offensively they have gone. So we talked about this a few times, but they ran the least amount of snaps under center as anybody in the NFL through the first four weeks of the season. And now they're like top five in since then in snaps under center. So that has completely changed this offense. They looked really good against New Orleans last week. The offense again looked really good this week. That loss against Baltimore, I think, was kind of the wake-up call for them. But since they are doing this, the running game has improved. Burrow's improved. The deep ball's been there because they're able to run play action off of it. Uh, and they still haven't even really gotten guys like T. Higgins involved as much as we've seen in, in you know last year and in the past with this team. So I was really – that was a game, especially against Atlanta, who no one – like Atlanta's covered every single game this year until this week. They were 7-0 and against the spread, so no one's beaten Atlanta bad. And the Bengals came out and beat Atlanta bad. That was a, a game that they absolutely had to look good in, and they did. And now they'll have a stretch here, Cleveland, Carolina, Pittsburgh, at Tennessee, where all four of those are very winnable games, and they could come out of that 8-3 and three, but if they're going to be a contender, a team that wants to put their name in the ring for a potential Super Bowl run like last year, they got to keep they got to keep this stretch moving. They got to they got to at least win all the games before they have to take on Kansas City because that's going to be a really tough matchup. And I think and ultimately I think, nine or ten wins is where they end up. I think to to your point too, they have to beat one of those big teams, whether it's the Chiefs yeah. uh, or the Bills, um, and even at the, at that point, probably division leading Titans uh, to to get and get themselves ready to go for for the playoffs and then prove to not just me but everybody who's watching them that they they are a viable contender in the AFC. That will that I need that in order for me to buy in as like yeah this is a Super Bowl potential team. I yeah. I do I do agree with you on that. Um but their defensive numbers again over the last few weeks have improved a lot. You you brought up the thing the squeaky wheel on that team is Eli Apple who He's, he's a problem. Um, Atlanta on the other side, I like, like I said all year, I've really enjoyed watching this Falcons team, but they, Arthur Smith has been getting the most out of that roster that he has. And there's only so long you can do that before you slip up and have bad losses. And I think this is one of those games. I think the Falcons will continue to be competitive. Uh, and I think they'll continue to cover games and, and probably steal a few games here and there. But this looks more like the team talent-wise that I was kind of expecting from them. And I think they've overachieved, which is a credit to the players and that coaching staff. Um, but this was kind of like a little, hey, come come down to earth. But they still had that second quarter with 17 points where I was like, shit, are they going to find their way back into this again? And um, no, you know, Cincinnati kind of closed the door on that. No, uh, I, yeah, go ahead, Vito. No, I was going to say, and, and we've been talking a lot about, obviously, different different ways of looking at different players. But man, on offense, the Falcons have really shown some, some good players. Drake London's done pretty well. Algier, the backfield has been great. 
Um, Lindstrom, the right guard, is number two right now in PFF for, for guards. I mean, he, he's having himself a season. Sorry. So they got some pieces there. So outside of that, I mean, again, the defense is what you worry about. And I think for Atlanta, I'm hoping like Mariota was 6-0 against the spread. He screwed me this week. Atlanta screwed me. But we're hoping you guys get back on, on point and start covering again. Because that was the thing, right? They can lose, but they were going to cover a lot. And that's what I like about that team is like, yeah, they're not making the playoffs probably. Maybe they make a late run, but they're a better team than people thought they would be, which is great to see. Yeah, which <clears throat> we never we'll, – we'll, we'll say this. Atlanta has a chance because the NFC feels so wide open. Like I, I feel less certain about the NFC as I think I've ever felt about an entire yeah. conference in the NFL. Uh, because even the teams at the top, like, I'm still not 100% sold on the Eagles yet. Like, I think the Eagles are a really good football team. But how close are they to Dallas and New York compared to Kansas City and Buffalo? Because if they're closer to Dallas and New York, then that ceiling in the NFC gets crunched down. And we're talking about every single team being kind of in this middle zone. Um, at the very least, it shows good parity in the league, which is good. Uh, all right, next game here. Cowboys 24, Detroit 6. I was muddling over this question, trying to come up with a better um, way to phrase it. But will Dak Prescott and his A presence contract, all that stuff about him, end up hurting the offense from what it could potentially be? In other words, is the Jerry Jones, we got to throw the ball, we, everyone loves Dak Prescott, that whole thing, is that going to inevitably hurt this offense rather than like, hey, you know what? If we started treating Dak Prescott not quite like Cooper Cup, but more like that, where we're going to limit what he can do and, and run the ball down people's throats, would that make them a better offense than letting Dak throw the ball 30 times? Which in this game, they did a good job of, which is kind of what made me think of this question. I think so. I think that when you look at it, they've got Pollard's performing at a high level. Zeke is, is at least better than what he was last year, right? But those two together are a formidable slot. I love, I love Lamb in the slot. They've been doing a lot of Brown on the outside. Gallup had, just didn't show up this week, but I think he, he can bring a lot of players in. If he airs it out, we know he can duel with any of them. And they'll probably have to get into right two or three of those games this year, at least. But to your point, I think if they limit making Dak the hero every game, it'll do much better for this team. And I think from your point, the contract and how many other pieces they could have had, right? I mean, they ended up moving around on the offensive line a little bit, getting some draft players moving on because of that contract, this is a team with the run game in the line that would be very good with a middle of the road quarterback being a journeyman. They invested in this high flying offense. Like Cooper rush. <laughs> well, I mean, seriously, you, you depend on then giving this big contract saying we're going to air it out, but guess what? Like that, that hasn't really worked out for you yet. Has it? So I think they'd be better, but I'm an old school thinker. You know what I mean? I, I like running the ball and doing play action. What do you think, Scotty? I don't think McCarthy has the stones uh, to to put it in the playbook to uh, to diversify his offense. I think it has to be the Dak show, and he's content losing with Jack uh, with Dak Prescott throwing the ball than he is winning running the ball with with Zeke and Tony Pollard uh, because that's just not how how he's coached, right? Like you look at the the years that he was in Green Bay, it was Aaron Rodgers. And it was like, let Aaron do his thing. And you have to recognize that Dak Prescott, as good as he is, is not Aaron Rodgers, right? You, you can't play hero ball with Dak Prescott because as you saw in the playoffs last year, that's when you get in trouble, 
Uh, and so I, I think I think that that it should be the case uh, that that they should sort of diversify their their offense a little more. But like I said, I don't think McCarthy has the stones to do it. I I tend to agree with you, Scotty, on that one. Um, so I don't think Dak is anywhere near as good as as he's perceived to be. Um, I I understand what he's done over the course of his career versus his expectations, right? Ex- his expectations coming in as what was he, late third, early fourth round pick um, to then turn out to be a, a franchise guy is objectively unbelievable. However, people do the Kirk Cousins stat comparison all the time. And honestly, most of the time, Kirk Cousins has, has better fourth round. Thank you. Dude. Yeah. Thank you, Zach. I should say, um, Kirk Cousins typically has better numbers more consistently, right? Dak has had stretches like when they, when Kellen Moore first got there and they opened everything up when they had that number one offense last year, but his completion percentage, his average yards uh, depth on his throws, all those like high metric, like really important stats that like the nerds really, really value Dak's pretty much middle of the road. And more importantly, Dak's never had a big win in the playoffs and he's never really had a big statement win as a quarterback. Right. He, so I don't like the idea and what made him so valuable early on. It's a very similar path to what we saw with Russell Wilson, right. Which was they limited what Dak did early on. They fed, they cre- created this offense through this incredible running game and incredible offensive line. They have a good offensive line right now. They're out playing their expectations for sure. Even with like Jason Peters playing snaps for them. Um, I just don't see this Dallas team advancing if Dak Prescott is the main engine behind the offense. If this team plays the way they played yesterday, where Dak threw the ball 24 times, they ran the ball, he was efficient, he had a high completion percentage, threw for 200 yards, had a touchdown, didn't turn the ball over. That's the most dangerous part of this team because the best aspect of this Dallas Cowboys team is the defense, and it's not close. Yeah, and, and I think to your point, it's the complimentary football aspect, and I'm, I'm glad that I know, Scott, you said, you know, that you don't think he has the stones, but what the good thing I saw from McCarthy is that, to your point, yesterday, Jeff, he actually did limit the amount of throws and didn't make it that way. And and it's like some hope there that, you know what, maybe we can just, even though you're an offensive coach, trust the defense, they're killing it right now. You know, they went up six points against a team that's, I don't don't care what you think about the Lions, that offense has been putting up points. Now they had an injury to Mossett Brown, a couple things happened, but I'm with you. I think that at least they're trying something new, which uh, hopefully we see a little more success out of Dallas. And, and I know you don't wish that personally, Jeff, but I think it'd be good for the NFL to see this NFC East as, you know, that dominant division again. It's every couple of years this happens, right? Everyone thinks they're going to be low. How are the Giants have one loss? All this shit, same old with Dallas too. So I, I hope for the NFL that it gets exciting over there. His, his second best, according to PFF, his second best season grade in terms of passing Mm-hmm. was his rookie year and then last year <laughs> he won was, rookie of the year yeah yeah and then last year he um he was his best year but all those years in between when they were really starting to force feed him to, you know telling him it's going to be his offense and last year they had an embarrassment of riches right that's why i never understood the mark cooper trade it made no it made no sense in the moment it still doesn't make sense now mark cooper may not be what he used to be but you had him on the contract you might as yeah. well keep him Right. Yeah. You know, and he and opened if, up a lot for, for everybody else. Like I mean, that's Dalton how CD Schultz, was putting out numbers and Dalton Schultz. Yeah, exactly. He's been terrible this year. And it's because, yeah, when he was the fifth option 
and that offense, he got wide open. He was always going to be the guy that defenses forgot to cover. So he'd be wide open and they force fed him the ball and he ended up being a great tight end. He's terrible this year. Um, so I don't know. I just think this offense works at, at its absolute peak when they're running the ball, like they did Dak's rookie year when they had good offensive weapons, they had a good offensive line and you limit what Dak does that 25 pass. He had went 19 to 25 yesterday, 207 yards, a touchdown, 8.3 yards per attempt. Those are all perfect Dak Prescott winning formula numbers. And their defense is so good that it's going to keep them in games. Um, the Lions, which we can transition over to them, it sucks, man. I really, I really thought the Lions were going to have something going this year. I mean, they were up six to three at halftime. So, you know, credit to them. But at the same time, I don't know. This Lions team is is, is pretty bad. They looked all right before Monra got knocked out of that game. Um, but after the hot start and how that offense was humming, they seem to have been figured out pretty quick. Yeah, that defense is, is last, second last in points. That, that defense is uh, where the work needs to be. And it, it stinks because you're right. We're all rooting for a better team. Um, I don't know. Is there any word on him on Ross St. Brown? Because I know he went out, but I don't know. He had a concussion, got ruled out of that game. Okay, it was a concussion. Yeah. I, I might have missed that on Red Zone. I just want to make sure it's nothing. Hopefully that lingers. Hopefully he comes back quick. So Yeah, just a shame. Um, anything else on the line, Scotty? Got anything to add? No. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, and not having DeAndre Swift doesn't help either. Uh, you know, that's, that's one of those guys that was, that made that offense look explosive. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, yeah, if you don't have that uh, in your lineup for what the last four weeks now, I think three, four weeks, it's uh that's a problem. I'm really curious. Work to do. Yeah. I'm really curious to how, what Dan Campbell is like and what the energy is like, because Dan Campbell is the kind of coach that when you're winning, it's got to be fucking awesome, right? The rah-rah guy, he's always got the fucking dip in. He's calling everybody brother and doing his, you know, Hulk Hogan shit, and everybody loves him. But how does that stuff work when you're losing? How does that stuff work when it's year number two, you felt like there was a little bit of progress, after, you know, starting off in the first three weeks, and now you're sitting there at one and five with the worst record in football. And, I mean, the Panthers just won yesterday. Like, you are now the worst team in football record-wise. How does yeah. that, how does that, I don't, you know what I mean? Like you don't need a team actively trying to tank. Like that's yeah. tough. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know how that stuff resonates in a locker room when, you know, what is his softer side, right? Or, or maybe he goes harder. I just don't, I can't imagine the Dan Campbell personality type being effective when your team is one in five and after the promising start that they had. I don't know. I mean, they, they had, you're right. Cause it was supposed to be a, a rebound year, but the thing is, is that, He's the same guy who was there last year, and they still loved him after the not-so-great year he had last year. He finished strong, so let's see what happens here. I would watch out. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on here. Colts, Titans. Titans up. I'll pull this one out, 19-10. to 10. Uh, Burning question here, are the Titans just going to – do the same thing they do every year? Is this just going to be another year of Derrick Henry, Tractor Cito season coming on in November and Ryan Tannehill losing in the divisional round of the playoffs to send them home? Is this just is this just the same story for what? Four, four, this is the fifth straight year, fourth straight year? Yeah, no, you're right. Yep, that's exactly it. I mean, he's unstoppable. He's still great. Tannehill, you limit him. They had the Dak recipe we were just talking about. Don't throw it too much. But man, 
they, they don't need to like just the defense is pretty good, right? They like, I, I love Rabel. I love his defensive mind. And then on offense, just run the damn ball. And I don't know, Scotty, I feel like we were both nodding our heads when Jeff asked that. Cause it's like, yeah, this is the same old song and dance. And I feel like until they show us, they can either get past divisional round or not make the playoffs. I'm slotting there every single year. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's hard because of the division they play in to, to rule them out of the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, for the longest time, I always thought it was the Jeff Fisher effect. Like, we're going to go eight and eight and we'll we'll get there and then uh, lose the division route. It's apparently not the Jeff Fisher effect. That's just what the Titans are. Uh, and so, I, look, man, I, it's hard to it's hard to wait for as good as a, a running back as you have. And you should use him, Derrick Henry. It's hard when you have like no other pieces. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I'm not thrilled with with Robert Woods there. We thought he would have a good year because he's a little more dynamic out of the backfield. Uh, not having AJ Brown is killing him. They lost Corey Davis two years ago. Uh, those were the, the guys you could count on for Tannehill to throw the ball to Traylon Burks has been disappointing as a rookie. Uh, and th- so those two guys that have, that have since gone uh, from, from the, from the Titans offense, it makes a difference because Tannehill looks like, and you, you know, you tell me what you've seen, uh, but to me, he looks like scared to throw the ball. He's just like, I don't know why we're calling this throwing play. Uh, here's a, a two-yard slant to Robert Woods. Uh, and and they get back in the huddle, and it's like, all right, uh, Derek, it's your uh, your ball. And meanwhile, uh, all 11 guys on defense and the, the 60,000 people in the stadium know who it's going to all the time. So uh, that's that's the biggest worry for me. It's interesting, right? So I in my head, I guess Tannehill – has been playing almost as like to his kind of normal self self. But when you look at the numbers, um, his offensive grade and passing grades dropping this year from what his average in Tennessee was, uh, he was an 87.4, 86, and then 81.6 over his first three years in Tennessee. This year he's graded out at a 68.4 in the passing game. So this is a pretty steep drop-off. It's almost like AJ Brown matters because what I was going to say here too, is it's, I don't know if it's impressive or it shows how much they weren't using AJ Brown, but the fact that this team still feels pretty much the same, despite losing a guy like AJ Brown. And they're still pretty much doing the same shit that they were before. They're still winning close, hard fought games. It doesn't look as good. They're definitely losing that big play, explosive play um, type of energy with AJ Brown. But when you see how good AJ Brown's been this year, it almost makes you wonder, like, were they misusing him? Were they not using him enough in that offense? Well, I don't. Yeah, it, I think it's not enough because what he's doing scheme wise is not that different than what he ran in, in Tennessee. It's the short slants and run after the catch, yeah. And it's the the bombs down the sideline. That's what they're doing with, in Philly. Yeah, uh, I in, overall his numbers aren't awful. Like his raw numbers, um, his adjusted completion percentage is really good. Actually, it's the highest of his career. It's eighty point four. Um, which is another one of those kind of advanced nerdy. Um, yeah, it, it basically just takes out any sort of drops or, you know, pass interference calls uh, to take away from it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, six touchdowns, three picks, 7.5 yards per attempt. He's at a th- almost 1,100 yards, completing 65% of his balls. He hasn't been awful, but he definitely, this offense has taken a step back. However, this division, and it seems weird to say this because I feel like you can say it about a bunch of different divisions, but once again, it feels like the AFC South is the worst division in football because the Colts 
are a dumpster fire. Broke today. Sam Ellinger is going to be starting next week for the Indianapolis Colts, not Matt wow. Ryan. I thought it. I, I saw for the rest of the season. It might end up being for the rest of the season. I mean, I felt bad for Matt Ryan. Like he was like getting absolutely destroyed. That offensive line is awful. Um, I don't know what happened to Quentin Nelson from being like the best guard we've ever seen play football to now is like an almost not quite liability, but is very much middle of the road. Um, I'd be curious to pull up some of his PFF numbers. Yeah. He's 23 out of 70. I mean, he's, he's good, but he's not, he was one or two since he was a rookie. Like he was yeah. dominant. So to your point, the whole lines regressed. Uh, and on the other side, you have the last ranked guard prior, like they, they're not a great offensive line. And you're right. They have Ellinger already in as starting. I don't know what you want. Taylor hasn't performed well, even when he's his limited snaps he's been in because of injury. But like this team just doesn't have it. The best offensive piece is Pittman. And, and you keep seeing on the screen and you watch like that's a good receiver. But outside of that, the line hasn't performed and they're they're really trusting this defense a lot, which is it's banged up. It's not its best either. So I don't know, man. They're, you're right. Dumpster fire kind of applies. They're three, three and one. I, I don't know. We, we were all expecting them to kind of run away with this division. And, and here we all are looking at the AFC South with no winning records. Well, the, the defense has been incredibly disappointing this year. Um, overall, I came in with at least, I thought probably positive, but maybe a little bit optimistic um, expectations for their defense. But, you know, they had added a couple pieces. They still have a couple of like studs, you know, Shaq Leonard and DeForest Buckner, both still on that defense. They go out and get Rodney McLeod. But I said this to you, Scotty, on the pod on Friday. Let's play the game of how many guys can you name on the Indianapolis Colts defense right now? (laughs) And there's not many. And the fact that the offense has been bad, they still only have one wide receiver. Like Michael Pittman's good. Like I I think we've figured that out. Like Michael Pittman is a really good player. But I don't see how this season continues without um, either some sort of magic turnaround or Frank Wright getting fired. Um, which sucks because I like Frank Reich and I, I feel like he's been a good coach, but also we've given him the benefit of the doubt so much because his first year there is the Andrew Luck stuff, right? He gets one year with luck and then the next year luck retires out of the blue and it's just been a rotating door. Ellinger is going to be the seventh different starting quarterback that they've had in Indianapolis since Frank Reich has been there. And that's, that's a really hard, it's hard for anyone to win that way. Um, but then yeah. when you look at who those quarterbacks were, you go from Andrew Luck to then it's Jacoby Brissett, Phil Rivers, Carson Wentz. Um, and then obviously this year with Matt Ryan, and we'll see whatever happens with uh, with Sam Ellinger. Oh, it's, uh, it's Mariota next year. Don't worry. It'll be yeah, <laughs> Mariota, Geno Smith, whatever quarterback has a good season this year. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on here. Probably the most surprising, or maybe not the most surprising, depending on how you look at it. The Washington Commanders get their third win of the season, taking down the Green Bay Packers. And every talk show in America this morning has been doing the is Aaron or Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady done um, debate here. But so I don't want to be quite that basic and do what everyone else is doing. But is there a way for this Green Bay Packers team to turn this season around? Because I think there's one way they can try, um, but Rodgers hasn't looked great. The wide receivers don't look good. There seems to be a major disconnect between LaFleur, the front office, and Aaron Rodgers, um, and the defense is nowhere near as good as we expected them to be. They got to run the damn ball. Yep. And, I mean, it's just wild. They've actually done what – first of all, 
<clears throat> this game as well. They had no third down conversions, which is almost like insane to think that you're talking about Aaron Rodgers and he just couldn't get it. And they scored, right? They scored points, but they just didn't get third downs. It's kind of wild, but you know, sustained drives are what make or break you. You need to run the ball more. Jones is killing it out of the backfield. He's doing really well this year uh, when he gets the chance. He's just not getting the chance. Yeah, he can catch it. He can do a lot of different things. But overall, I mean, they're penalized a lot. This team just seems like it's a little bit in shambles. And now you know that Rodgers has a couple years left. This is where you also got to look at the offense and be like, yeah, you know, I don't know what we're going to talk about this team at the end of the year. But if they have a bad year or they barely make the playoffs and lose or miss the playoffs, God forbid, are we talking about a coach change in, in Green Bay? Um, nah. Is that too soon? Yeah. yeah. I, I, he's been so good for them. I mean, he, he never lost more than three games in a season before this year. And I get that it's a – Is he – what, they have three losses right now? They're four. four. They're yeah, three and, Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're three and four now. So, no question this is, this is bad. Um. I don't think you can let go of Lafleur unless it's like an Aaron Rodgers, you know, scorched earth tour kind of situation. Mm -hmm. um, but even then, I would, yeah, like Green Bay's yeah. passed on a quarterback to to go the next guy before. <laughs> so yeah. I've been so in the games where he's getting, I forget what the number is. I think it's like fifteen plus touches. It was the game against Chicago when he ran for one hundred and thirty yards. Um, he also had the game against New England that he ran for a lot of yards. Uh, basically, when they give the ball to Aaron Jones, the offense works, right? Yeah. When you, when even you if give... it's even if it's receiving, I mean, I feel like he has more receiving yards this year than than rushing. But well, and he's been really great. But I, looking at you know PFF numbers right now, they're a top ten rushing and passing offense, which makes no sense when you're looking at it. But the way that they're graded out, which again is part of why PFF are great, and you get a ton of awesome information for them but don't completely get caught up in the you know analytics. What it does say is that they've shown the ability to make create, to have uh, explosive plays. They've shown the ability to move the ball pretty well in this offense. However, it does feel to your point veto that a lot of this has been coaching and situational decisions, play calling in particular, which we stand by all the time on this podcast. It's really yeah. hard to judge play calling but when you're seeing how efficient and effective they're running the ball, and yet in crucial points of games, they just completely go away from it because they want to let Rodgers throw it, it, it hurts them. And that's two of the biggest problems is, one, I think the, the Packers uh, just greatly overestimated uh, anybody else giving a crap uh, in the NFL about how they get success with uh, these late round draft picks and and old free agents that they sign and bring in. And that's what Rodgers is used to throwing to. Well, when you have a quarterback like Rodgers, who's getting another year older and actually looks mortal this year, uh, I, I think that's where it's, it's less play calling and more personnel at that point. I mean, just some of these numbers are crazy. I mean, I think, and I think you're right. I, I mean, part of it too, is this, we got to keep our quarterback happy. Right. That is a huge part of the NFL. Even if we don't like to admit it or don't like to pay attention to it, it is a big part of the NFL. Um, they also ran into a buzzsaw by the name of Taylor Heineke, who comes yeah. in and does crazy shit. Like, I love I, that guy. Yeah. There's no reason Washington, the fact that Washington gave up capital and cap space to go get for Carson Wentz when you had this guy on your roster, who, yeah, I get it's Taylor Heineke. There's only so much you can do, but he definitely gives you a better chance to win than Carson Wentz. 
and, you and he said wins this, you ball games dude, like you this. Said this. Yeah. yeah, you said this back and when they got him, you said that, Jeff, because I remember being like, no, I, I Wentz has that upside. Like, he can still get it. And after seeing him now for again with another team, you're like, these weapons are there. And then Heineke comes in and like, to your point, his ceiling seems higher than Wentz right now. Like he's making harder throws. I don't know if he has nothing to lose, whatever it is, but he is slinging it and actually driving the ball down the field and letting his receivers make plays. I love watching him play. Yeah. I'm glad they won there this was- game because I like it for Ron Rivera. I like it for what the team has kind of been going through. And, and I, I really do, you know, you can't overestimate that this week was it last week that the owners got together and literally talked about getting rid of Dan Schneider. So like, yeah. don't think that this team isn't hearing about all of this and still yeah. to come out and get a win against a team that no one wanted you to win against. No one thought you would good job. And I think there's an element of luck too, though, a little bit where we're talking about Heineke, at least in this game, because the other Achilles heel for the Packers is that defense. That's terrible. And they drop like, like three easy pick sixes in that game. Mm. Uh, and that defense did not look good, you know, from kickoff to, to the end of the game uh, for the Packers. And that, like we said, we thought that defense would be really, really good this year. Um, and they have woefully underperformed. Yeah. Letting Zadarius Smith go in order to afford the, you know, they lost Zadarius Smith and Devonte Adams, who I think in hindsight, we're realizing are probably the two most important players on that team that aren't Aaron Rodgers. Um, and you had to pay, you know, Aaron Rodgers and, you know, they had to, you know, rob Peter to pay Paul and that sucks. Um, but Taylor Heineke, he is, I, he's journeyman Jameis, right? Jameis was the number one overall pick. Who's just a ball of excitement. Who slings the ball all all over the place. And it's just funny to watch Taylor Heineke is the journeyman version of that. The guy who didn't get drafted, the guy who played in the XFL and was chugging beers afterwards and somehow found his way into the NFL, started a playoff game against Tampa Bay and covered the spread. The only team on that Super Bowl run that covered the spread against the Bucks. It's he there's there's going to be really bad throws to like you said, Scotty, and there will be games where it's four interceptions. But Carson Wentz isn't coming close to winning this football game. And at the end of the day, no. if you're Ron Rivera and you're trying to save your job, I still would like to see Sam Howell personally, but there's no, no question that Taylor Heineke gives you the best chance to win on a weekly basis for the Washington football team. Like Terry McLaurin is, I think one of the top 10 to 15 wide receivers in in the NFL. And he was basically like a bench guy in fantasy. Like it was dumb to start him because of how bad that offense was moving. And now they're going to get a few weeks of the Taylor Heineke show where they can fuck around and try to beat anybody. Uh, The only game that was more surprising than this one, however, was, the Carolina Panthers beating the Bucs 21 to three. Yeah. And it all started with Mike Evans dropping that deep touchdown. I mean, holy cow, that was one of the worst drops. And the fact that he tipped it up and then the ball went like 20, year, 20 yards after he tipped it up and he was like trying to chase it down. Like, I feel like anyone who's ever played catch has been there before. Um, so I kind of want to reuse the same question I used last week with you, Scotty. Um, or maybe it was, with, I don't remember if both of you guys were on, on Tuesday's pod, but we had said of these three teams in the NFC, which one were, are we the most concerned about? The Packers, the Bucks, or the Rams? And the Rams win this week just by proxy. But between these two teams, I mean, do you feel good at, about either team's prospects of turning a season around? Because the Bucks look awful. I do. I think they're going to be okay. Like, and I think it comes out of, first of all, they didn't run the ball. Like they didn't even really try. Um, well, they can't, they haven't been able to all year. 
I mean, yeah, but they're they're not even they're not even giving more than 15 carries. Like no one's right. Look at Saquon. His first 12 carries are all for like 30 yards, and then he starts busting it loose. You know what I mean? They don't stick to it. I think that's something that will change. I think on the Brady side, like that was a bad game by his receivers. Godwin had two really bad drops. Um, Kyle Rudolph had one, I believe. Uh, maybe it was another tight end. But either way, I think the team will play better something's going on there. And they also came up against a team that literally was up against the wall. And, and my favorite part um, on the flip side, which we'll get there a little bit with some of the XFL QBs we got to see, but for Tom, I think this is, he's one year behind. He's saying he's doing the relaxed thing that Aaron Rodgers did. He's like, you know what? Like doesn't look great. They've had two really, really bad offensive performances this year. Right. Cause I'm pretty sure they got shut out. They get shut out once. No, they almost did against somebody, and then they ended up scoring like a couple. That was points that was in the Saints game where it was like three three in the yeah at, in the third quarter. But but um, and they even scored twelve. So they're not putting up points, but I do believe that they'll figure out this way. I mean, with Brady, luckily, I'm pretty sure they have what the Thursday night game against the Ravens. Then they yeah. have then they got yeah. the, the the Rams. I mean, they're going to have some tests coming up here, but I think they have a chance to turn it around right here. But if they go in and lose those two, then they play a sneaky Seattle game. I think in London, that's gonna be uh, that could be the no, Munich, Munich. Yeah, oh, the... a little German, eh? Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> ah. uh, Jeff, you said it started with the Mike Evans drop in the end zone. That's not where it started. This game, okay. it started with the Panthers uh, just letting loose on a fire sale. Robbie Anderson gone. The stunner, Christian McCaffrey going to my 49ers. This team had to rally around something, and they had to rally around a tough division game. Uh, Steve Wilkes got that team ready to go, and P.J. Walker was was firing uh, on all cylinders. That defense looked better than I thought it ever had for the Panthers all year, and I think it was the rallying point for that team. It was it was Steve Wilkes going around and saying, uh, here's what we got, boys. Uh, time to, to shit or get off the pot. Yeah, I, I mean, also, like, can we just – take a moment there that how about that him and Heineke were both XFL QBs. Yeah. And, yeah, and both, they both beat Rogers. Yeah. And Brady it's insane. And you know what they, they outperformed the opposition given there's a lot of different circumstances. Maybe you flip players and teams, it's a little different, but just it's, it shows you how razor thin it is in the, in the NFL when you're like, all oh, these XFL players can never make it. Yes, they could. And, and it's all about consistency. And I just shout out to those guys for, um, making it. And maybe this drives a little more interest in some of these other leagues after seeing the success. Maybe. I mean, ultimately it's still going to come down to TV contracts and all that stuff, but I do like the yeah. point, at least the selling point of that becomes more valid in the marketing is like, Hey, look, we've seen guys go off and, and at least have success in the NFL. Um, I, I disagree, but I think this team is bad. I, I said before the season, right. We all picked a team, in the NFC. And honestly, we all were probably right between the Rams Packers and Tampa Bay, which team did we think was going to be a good team that we thought was going to be there that was going to have a big regression um, or that might surprise people? I picked Tampa Bay because I hated the offensive line situation, and anyone would. They're, I mean, they got third stringers out there, and, yeah, they still have Tristan Wirfs, who's great, but that interior offensive line is awful. Brady's yards per attempt right now is tied for the second worst in his entire career since the Oof. 2001 season, 6.6 yards per attempt. That puts him in the bottom – bottom of the league and guys who qualify for minimum uh, attempts. He's got eight touchdowns and one pick. 
that seems good on paper until you realize that they're not able to push the ball downfield at all. And the one time that they did yesterday on the deep ball to Mike Evans, right? He drops it. And that's honestly one of the first times this year that we've really seen Brady try to air it out and take a deep shot. The short passing game's not working. They know that without that tight end threat to open up the middle of the field, there's no one there that really scares you. They're losing talent. Julio Jones is, is completely washed at this point. Chris Godwin still is definitely not 100% coming off the ACL. And Mike Evans is being is solid, but it's just, you know, he's another year older, and, and you can have one weapon. Lennon Fournette, I don't think it's the problem, but they can't run the ball. So I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know where this team goes. And the bigger disappointment here is that the defense hasn't been that great. And, and just like Green Bay, we thought this defense was going to be, once again, top of the league. And it looks like Levante David has taken a step, step back as he gets older. The secondary has not been nearly as good. I mean, P.J. Walker was dicing them up yesterday. P.J. Walker. Like that shouldn't happen against the team that has the talent that they have. Now I do think there is truth to what you said, Scotty, in that, Hey, these are NFL guys too, right? They get paid too. all the cliches you want to say any given Sunday. Um, but that doesn't matter. You shouldn't lose this game. Not 21 to three. You shouldn't lose this game. I think this season and that offensive slump, because defense, they're still top 10 in points allowed, but to your point, they're not playing, they're not doing enough to win. And they were in the playoff pushes, whatever it was needed. Right. And, and I think what we're seeing is they're really missing Bruce Arians, man. Like Leftwich can be the coordinator still and you have a new head coach, but Arians ran that offense. And I think we gave Tom Brady so much credit for the team dynamic and for coming in and bringing all these players in, but Bruce Arians was still the head coach. And right now I think you're seeing leadership missing and Brady's always going to be a leader, but it's that other spot and, and a leader, like he had in Belichick to say, hey, you take the spotlight, but I'm still running the show. Arian still ran the show in his own way, and I think they're missing that, that kind of uh, mentality right now from, from I, an, a head coach. To you, and, and one other thing I'll add there, too. I don't think we can – we don't know what's going on in his personal life, but you can't mitigate it and say that's not having any impact. And the analogy that pops in my head was Tom Brady was retired, right? He was retired for a reason. And he decided, you know what? I'm going to come back and do one more. And it's very reminiscent to when you're out at a bar and you're drinking all night and you're like, <laughs> I'm the perfect level of drunk. I'm having fun. I got some food back home. We're going to crush me, get back. And you got that one friend who goes, yeah, but what if we did one more shot? What if we did one more? And you're like, no, I got it. I can leave on top. Everything will be nah. fine. We got food. It's going to be great. Yeah, but one more. Let's do one more shot. <laughs> And that's what right over the cliff. Is. And it's completely <laughs> sent this team. It sent his look. He's never going to, it's not going to tarnish his legacy by any means, but everything seems to be falling around him. Like everything seems to be falling apart. And I still enjoy watching Tom Brady because he's the best that's ever done it. But this version of Tom Brady doesn't look good. And the body language is bad. The, the offense is bad. The defense is nowhere near as good. I, the only thing they have going for them is that the NFC South sucks. And if they don't win the division, then who the hell, who the hell else will? And I think that's kind of where we're at. Um, let's keep going here. we got a few more games. We're running a little long. Uh, Giants, Jags. Giants, once again, coming back from a deficit in the fourth quarter to win a game within one score. Um, I don't really have much of a question here other than this isn't sustainable, right? This is there's no way that this is a sustainable formula. And if you look at the teams that, Dallas, that the Giants have played, 
and I'm trying really hard to be objective here. I just, they haven't played anybody good. You could say the Titans week one, but who really knows? I mean, how good the Titans are. We thought Green Bay was a good win, but Washington just came out and beat them. So how good is that win? I don't know if there's a win on this schedule so far that makes me confident that, you know what, like, yeah, the Giants are for real. The Giants are an actually good football team. They're very well coached. I will defend that to the end of the earth, and that's why they win close games. But this cannot be sustainable for a whole season. I I don't know, man. I mean, they're I, you're right. I don't think it is because here, and here's why. They're in the middle of the pack and everything. They're in the middle of the game and offense. They're in the middle of the NFL and defense. They're like 11 on defense, 15 in offense points. And stuff. They're doing okay. And you're right. They're squeezing out these wins. I mean, this is a culture, though, that once you get winning by all these close games, you see it a lot. Like Tennessee for a while was always a team, right? They'd win all their close games. There are a couple of teams that always lose all their close games. Like one, one possession games or whatever, the Lions have lost how many in a row, right? But once you get through all of that, you realize that like teams get on that and it's kind of your – your psyche of you know what here we go again but in a good way hey we're down here we go again and i never thought i'd say this but i cannot wait to see this sunday when the giants play at seattle to find out a little bit more about these two teams because uh man these are two of the bigger surprises in the nfl well and and the trend continues right it's seattle that's given up points in the fourth quarter uh of games and then they have the texans the lions the cowboys are the next toughest game at uh, at the Cowboys, I believe that's Thanksgiving uh, weekend, if not Thanksgiving Day. Um, and I, I like to me, you look at the schedule; they're, they're going to pile up wins. And yeah, they're not they they. I don't think you're to your point that it's sustainable in the playoffs. Like when once we get to the postseason, uh, you know the competition is going to be a little tougher. But you know, to the degree that uh, playoff games are tight, or they can keep a playoff game tight. And you've spent all season long playing in these same type of games. So uh, I think it could be sustainable. You know, you don't need to win by every game by 20, 30 points. You just need to put up dubs on the, in the, uh, in the wing call. Not true. There are no pictures on a on a, uh, on a record there, but at the same time at Seahawks, I think they lose that game. I think they lose at Dallas. I think they lose both games to Philly. And I think they lose against Minnesota. That's five losses. Mm-hmm. Now put this team at 12 and five. And I think they'll probably end up dropping at least one game to like Houston, Detroit, Washington. They got to play twice. And then Indy, I I don't know. They've played too many bad teams too close, but they've also played good teams really close. They beat the Ravens, right? Yeah. I mean, like even still, how good are the Ravens? Like that's what's so weird about the NFL. Ravens fourth quarter. Yeah. Like, I don't know. The Ravens barely got by Cleveland this weekend and damn near tried to piss that game away at the end of it. Despite Cleveland giving it to them. Like, we're used to like 12 good teams. And I feel like this year we have like six. And I don't even know who's part. good. I know, <laughs> I know Kansas city's good. And I know Buffalo are good. I don't know how good anybody else is. And that's what makes it so, so weird. Yeah. You know, they lost, they, they won by three against Carolina. They won by eight against Chicago. And then they won by six against Jacksonville. And yet they're five and one and they're, they have one of the best or six and one. They have one of the best records in, in football. It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. Sorry. Yeah, no, they are five and one. I don't know why I add. No, six and one. Jesus. Six and one now. Yeah. My the, brain. Uh, it's all good. I know it's hard to give the it's baseball season. It's baseball season. <laughs> um, uh, Jacksonville promising start to their season has quickly faded similar to uh, Detroit. They looked a little bit better in this game. They can run the ball pretty well, but they get 
you know, Doug Peterson loves to be aggressive in high leverage situations, fourth and shorts. And they keep running these little, you know, like quarterback option or little bubble screens, play action passes. Just give the ball to James Robinson and get the fucking push. Like, or keep it under center with Trevor Lawrence. I, for us, fast. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the thing. Like, one of the things I loved about Trevor Lawrence, a lot of people did, was how athletic he was, how big, how he can run. And he broke off so many big runs in college. And he runs almost, he, he's basically a full time pocket passer right now. He does not throw the ball from outside of the pocket. They don't let him move out and do that stuff, which I feel, I feel like there'd be a lot of easier throws for him in that offense. Now there's been a lot of criticism. It's like, Oh, well, they never throw the ball deep. They don't have any speed. They don't have anybody to throw the ball deep to Kirk, but that's it. But they're not. But if you take that away, then you're taking away your X receiver. Yeah. You know, like he's, he's, he's been their best offensive player so far this year. And they need him to be that over the middle guy. And that's why they signed him. Otherwise you're losing the other half of your offense. So, I mean, Zay Jones can used to be able to, but at this point in his career, I don't think we're going to be able to get much out of that. Um, it's a young team, right? And the fact that they fight and they're all, they're close in all these games says a lot, but I I'd like, I'd like to see more out of this Jacksonville team. I think they're going to rebound a bit. ETN showed something. I think, to, Hey, we got to get him more touches is kind of the message here. He feels like, uh, I don't know, definitely feels like Sproles and, and that kind of, I think he's better in terms of talent, but like just that kind of dynamic ability in space. And then, you know, looking ahead, man, Jacksonville goes home to London and has Denver come into town. So they should be able to rebound this. Let's get like, get them back on track. And, and that game's going to suck so yeah. hard. Yeah. It's going to be so bad. Well, they yeah. got a they got a bit of a gauntlet after that too, with Raiders, Chiefs, Ravens, and then Lions, and then Titans, Cowboys, Jets. Things are not sunny in Jacksonville, uh, but hey, you had weeks one and two, and the first uh, couple weeks of week three. Uh, let's move on now. Browns, Ravens, Ravens come away with a big win here. Um, I feel like we said this last week too, but like the Jacoby Brissett thing, it's kind of finally kind of put to bed. Um, what is the ceiling and what is the floor of Baltimore? That's what I want to know because Baltimore ceiling to me is still elite of the elite with Lamar Jackson, but something yeah. seems off with Lamar this year. I don't know if it's the lack of running. He's looked great as a thrower. At least he did through the first, you know, three or four weeks of the season, but even that started to tail off a little bit. So uh, what is the ceiling? What is the floor of them from what we've seen this year? Not, ignore what we've seen yeah. in the past with Lamar because Lamar doesn't feel the same this year as he has in years past. I think what's great about them is they can beat you in a number of ways, which I know isn't showing up right now, but right. They had over 40 rushes in this game and they won. They've had over 40 passes in other games and won. they've their defense has been inconsistent, but I'll tell you what, Patrick queen showed up yesterday. Uh, yeah, he, he had did. a couple of games where he just back to back downs. He just sprints in the a gap and makes a tackle for loss. He had a sack on top of it. I think the defense is turning around. I, I still have the ceiling as, as high as it can go. To me, they're still a super – I have them as my AFC Super Bowl team, and I'm not changing that. And I know that's crazy because Buffalo, Kansas City, but let's see what happens. They're 4-3 and three in November and December when they can run the ball. This team, all of a sudden, like the Titans, come up on top of the league. They bubble up just like Cleveland will if they can get their record around. They don't miss the playoffs. But I really do like this offense, and I think because Lamar can do it in so many different ways still – I think in three to five years, we're going to say he's exciting. He's in that rust category. We can get some first downs, but he's not going to, you know, 
dominate with his legs. He can still dominate with his legs. He can still dominate with his arm. And that's why I think <clears throat> their ceiling is as high as it can go. Now the floor is uh, it's growing a little bit, but we saw their floor a couple times this year of just falling apart in the fourth quarter and not being able to run it out when they know they should have. The line isn't what it I think should be um, with the skill they have. And I don't know that that's my take. I still have them though as a very, very high upside team. Yeah, I'm with you. The upside's way there. Uh, I just think, you know, and I don't know if this is a Harbaugh thing or what, but, uh, you know, you get into these these games in the middle of the year, late in the year, and, like, what worked uh, early in the season to get you a couple of big wins, you're suddenly uh, diverting away from. And, and back to your identity, which is a good thing to have, uh, you know, like, if you're rushing the ball and that's your identity, great. Um, keep Lamar healthy, fine. Um, but you know, if that was what was having success was Lamar throwing the ball, uh, and opening things up for, for some of that run game, uh, early in the season, then why, why would you, why would you go away from that? Um, I, I, I just don't understand in the short term, I get it in the long term, but, uh, for that reason, I think their, their floor is, is it, it's, it's like, uh, it's like haunted mansion where the the you you get lower down in the ground and the and the room keeps expanding. That's where where I see the uh, uh, how I see the Ravens trending this year with with the floor and ceiling analogy. Yeah, they're just kind of hard to figure out because I feel like Lamar is all over the place. Um, it kind of reminds me of like Anthony Davis last year put on all that weight to try to become more of like that like you know under center legit center power kind of post player Lamar put this weight on I, I obviously he's still terrifying but like it seems like it's a little less terrifying am I the other one that feels that way when he's scrambling I don't feel that way honestly no I don't know but have you noticed it like you think he's just lot lost a step I I don't know if it's lost a step but it just feels like he, he was so because honestly it feels almost more mental than than physical but it feels like he was so decisive and like I'm putting my foot in and I'm running Mm-hmm. And now he has had one of his best passing seasons. The only statistic that isn't one of his career highs so far has been his completion percentage. But a lot of that's because they've been throwing a lot at the end of games. He's also made some really bad mistakes. Um, the loss last week, he had multiple t- against the Giants. He had multiple. He had the fumble that ended the game and he had the interception there that were two of the worst plays I've yeah. seen him make as a pro. But then you see him also have some of the best passing seasons and games of his career this year and it feels like he's trying to be something that he's not necessarily so to me and and sorry to go a little longer on this but okay i i had a a take when i was watching him play yesterday and i thought jeff of you because to me he's exactly where and i i don't know statistically we'd have to look this up but he's about where all right let me back up even further vic was amazing and i'm going to make the comparison right Okay. But Vic went away. He went to jail. He he did some terrible things and he should have, and he got prosecuted for him and he served his time. And then he came back to the Eagles and was on the bench for about a year or two, I think a year. And then he a year, ended up yeah. playing. To me, we're about to see Lamar in this time period of what if Vic didn't go away? Like what, what did Vic, what, what if he looked like from 2006 to 2011? Hmm. And I think we're about to see that Lamar, because there's going to be a transition from running to passing, but Lamar's a way better runner ever than Russell Wilson ever was, or most quarterbacks besides probably Vic ever were. So at what point does that transition happen? And I'm wondering if we're seeing an active 
change of the guard a little bit or the, the thought of it in his mind, like don't run early in the season. Like let's wait till the playoffs, all that stuff. And I think that there's something there because these two are the most comparable dynamic quarterbacks we've had. And I just, this is a, and we saw early Vic, we saw late Vic. We never saw middle of his career Vic. And I think mm. we're going to see middle of Lamar's career and it's an unknown to football fans. Yeah. That's interesting. That's a really interesting take. Um, because that's, I mean, and Vic still always had the danger of to, the threat of being able to tuck in a run when he came back and played with, with Philly. Right. But yeah, he definitely, I mean, it was a lot different, right? He definitely became more, but that was also, they also changed. It was a different offense, right? It was an offense that he had to sit in and learn how Andy Reid wanted to run it, the West coast style, the quick passes, and then use the Michael Vick big arm when you could. Um, I don't know. The other weird thing is it's like my eyes don't match up with what I'm with, what the stats say, because he's, he's having his best rushing season statistically. Is he really? He's averaging, that's surprising to me too. Yeah. He's averaging 7.7 yards per attempt. He had never averaged more than 6.9 uh, in a season, and that year was his MVP year. He's got 510 rushing yards. But I don't know. There's something about it when I watch this offense that it looks like – I don't know. I just – I can't put my finger on it. I can't – something seems off with Lamar. And maybe it's just the simple act of trying to force things too much – and then taking off and running when things are there. But there's also no other running game. Like last year before he got hurt, they were still the, the number one running offense in football with Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman coming off the street and running for him. And now, you know, J.K. Dobbins is out for more time once again. Uh, yeah. And they don't – Justice Hill is getting a, a ton of run. They got um, Gus Edwards back finally, which yeah. hopefully that's someone that they're used that's to. <laughs> but – as a whole, it, I just think maybe it's because some of the tone in which he's playing the position has changed. It just feels like they're, we're seeing a different version of Lamar this year. Um, and in some ways, it's a better version. Definitely throwing the, the ball, but in other ways, it, it just looks different. Uh, I don't want to talk about the Browns. Browns, they're annoying. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about your uh, your Broncos there, Vito. Um, uh, you know, they're annoying too. We don't... <laughs> uh, fine, then let's talk about the New York Jets. Are the New York Jets really about to win... Uh, no, they're not going to win the division, but they're really going to be a playoff team. Are we really going to see the New York Jets? Is this fool's gold? How much of this is real? I think this is like the Giants. They're middle of the pack and what they're doing. Their defense has been elite. Their offense has been terrible. And somehow, let's put it this way. Their offense is 32nd in terms of yards and all that stuff, whatever. But they're 12th in points scored. So they have overperformed and overscored in every scenario with turnovers, with different things. I think that's a massive indication that this they're not going to keep scoring this many points given they're getting Zach Wilson back, but I just don't think that's going to happen. <clears throat> I like their draft. He's, I think we all did. I like their team, but I, I don't think this is sustainable. And the offense looked better with Joe Flacco, dare I say. I mean, Zach Wilson does not look good. Like, he just doesn't. Uh, oh. and, and now they lost Brees Hall uh, for what will probably yeah. likely be the rest of the season, which is huge because he had started – he started off well, and then the last two, three weeks, uh, you saw him sort of really get in a groove in that offense, and he was doing it, catching the ball out of the backfield as well as running. And I think he opened up a lot of stuff for for Garrett Wilson, uh, for Corey Davis, for yeah. Elijah Moore. Uh, and so, you know, when when you lose someone of that caliber, even though he is a rookie, like that was that was sort of the cog of their their offense that made them any anywhere near decent. And then that. The, the offensive line is overperformed for uh, for as as bad as the the offense 
uh, has looked scoring wise. And then the defense has been really, really good. That's just a Robert Sala team. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say the, everything you said is completely true about the offense, but the defense is what makes them legit. Like I, I think their defense is significantly more legit than the giants. Um, I think the giants offense is more consistent weirdly enough, partially because you're right. Zach Wilson hasn't looked good. Uh, Joe Flacco, they were able to throw the ball more with uh, Mike LaFleur, who's Matt LaFleur's brother, um, as the offensive coordinator. They schemed up a completely different offense with him. But I like what they're doing with Zach Wilson. Now, losing Brees Hall kills them. Uh, he had the 62-yard touchdown run, which was honestly the, the difference in the game here against, um, against Denver. And now it's going to be Michael Carter, who has been nice as one of those kind of alternate backs with him and Brees Hall. This team can still run the football. Uh, Elijah Barrett Tucker also going to be missing the remainder of the season with a tricep injury. So they lose their best running back and then one of their best performing offensive linemen in the same game. And that's a really hard thing to come back from for a team that's five and two, four and oh on the road and is playing really good football. Wow. Um, yeah. How about that? Right. I, I don't think it's sustainable because of the injuries, but I think Zach Wilson was playing good enough. He's not hurting them. He's not helping them, but he's not hurting them. But the defense was playing really well. The defense is playing out of its mind. Um, and the offense was able to run the ball. So when he has opportunities, you know, you can still throw the ball. But when you invested in guys like Garrett Wilson uh, and Elijah Mitchell, and then also on the outside, you have Corey Davis. You have three legitimate pass catchers. Plus, you have Michael Carter out of the backfield. You would have hoped that, hey, maybe Zach Wilson will be able to get the ball out a little bit more because Garrett Wilson looked like a fucking stud when Joe Flacco was throwing to him. Um, on the other side, yeah, I mean, now that it's Zach Wilson, we're not quite seeing the same amount of uh, success throwing the football. Um, I want to talk about Denver. Vito, uh, I, I don't know if he, his internet disconnected or something. We lost him on the uh, on the screen here. So maybe he just didn't want to talk about the Broncos. So he just decided <laughs> he was going to leave, uh, which I understand because the Broncos suck. The, the Broncos are terrible, but their defense is fucking amazing. They've given up seven touchdowns through seven weeks. The Denver Broncos defense. The Denver Broncos defense is really, really freaking good. Bradley Chubb, really good. Patrick Sertan, really good. Justin Simmons, absolute stud. And they've had multiple linebacker injuries too. So they have Alex Singleton playing interior linebacker for them. And yet they're still statistically one of the top defenses in the NFL. And yes, no Russell Wilson this week for his injuries, whatever it was. They threw the ball 46 times with Brett Rippon. And honestly, the offense looked exactly the same. And if Brett Rippon is the guy who's coming in as your backup and looks just as good as the quarterback that you just paid $240 million to, that's a problem. Well, it's a problem for your offensive scheme, right? And if, <laughs> Evidently. And if well, and if it's, if it's truly Wilson who has his hands all over it, then we're talking about you know, then this is really a Wilson problem, not just on the field, but, but scheming, you know, the game plan uh, as well. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what it is, man. It looks a lot like the, the last few years in Seattle where uh, they still had a pretty good defense, uh, if not uh, above really good. Uh, and, and then, you know, Wilson's offense, just not doing anything. Uh, and I, I, I wish they would run the ball more uh, because that's, you know, when they find success um, 
on offense, it's because they're they're able to run the ball effectively. And granted, it sucks like Javante Williams out for the year. Melvin Gordon hasn't been playing all that great. Mike Boone got hurt, but you know, like it's not like you don't have backs uh, that are back there. I mean, Latavius Murray's there now, right? That's a very serviceable running back uh, to to lead the pack if he's going to. I don't, we'll see how how bad the injury to Mike Boone is, but you have to open it up because like. Otherwise, they're going to double Cortland Sutton. They're going to just put uh, a safety, put safety help on uh, on Jerry Judy because all he's doing is sprinting down the field, and then you have nobody to throw to, yeah. uh, except maybe Dulcich over the middle uh, because he's open. Yeah, I, and what's crazy if you look at Russell Wilson's stats, like the game against Seattle, he threw for three hundred and forty yards, um, and then he had the game against Indy where he threw for two hundred and seventy four yards, and other than that. Brett Rippon has like the third most passing yards in a game this year for a Denver Bronco. Like that just, that just can't happen. All right. Vito came back. We thought you left because you didn't want to talk about the Broncos because you knew we were about to get to them. No, I, the football gods literally just didn't want me to bad mouth this shit team. Um, So the fact that Brett came in and our offense looked the exact same as it did with our $500 million quarterback is about all I can say. That's what, um, I, that's what I opened up with too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's bad. It's been bad. Uh, 31st offense to points of points and yards defense has been killing it for us. So every, I know that everyone's like, Oh, they weren't a quarterback away, whatever. I still think we're a good quarterback. We're, we're a playoff team. Uh, we haven't gotten good quarter quarterback play. And yeah. I think when you look at that, I, I also don't like Hackett. I don't like a lot of the decisions he's making. And until you get quarterback and head coach fixed, you're not going to win the NFL. That's just the way it is. I will say, though, and Scotty made this point, and I think it's a good one. A, I, I said this before when you were out, Vito. The defense is legit. The defense is fucking amazing. Seven touchdowns given up in seven weeks is, is really hard to do in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, but Scotty made this point, and I'm honest, I'm jealous of this take because it's, it's really good. If the backup quarterback comes in and the offense looks different and equally as successful with the backup, it tells you a lot about how much of Russell's fingerprints was all over that offense. The passing concept looked different. It looked simplified and say what you will, but Brett Rippon didn't have a great day. He made one mistake. He had a classic backup quarterback kind of a day. And if the offensive scheme looked different with the backup, it was just as uh, effective as it's been with the guy you just paid all that money to. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem, which we've known. Look, we've known that for with Denver for a while. There's, there's problems on this team. Um, and the main one being Russell Wilson. And I think there's a huge disconnect between him and the rest of the team. I think Nathaniel Hackett is a little bit between a rock and a hard place where new owners come in, they give uh, Russell Wilson $245 million. The new front office comes in, they stake their claim as a front office to go out and get Russell Wilson. If he doesn't play them, you know, it's like in, it's like Moneyball. Remember Moneyball when, uh, Brad Pitt's oh, yeah. going down to the Philip Seymour Hoffman is like play the lineup that I'm telling you. Like, I wish that Nathaniel Hackett did more of what that manager in Moneyball did, which is like, no, fuck you. I'm running an offense that's actually going to work. Whatever we're doing here with Russ isn't working. And I think Nathaniel Hackett's trying his best. But I, at this point in the season, I'm still putting more of the onus on Russell than I am on the first year head coach. Cause I think more of this is to do with Russell Wilson, who A, hasn't played well, and B, I think has handled this coming to a new city and this like ego play that he's had, I think it's absolutely hurt the team, the chemistry and everything that's going on in that organization. 
all my friends just keep telling me let's ride and I fucking hate it. And uh, they're just like, Hey, like before I call my friend Luke, I'm like, Hey, what's going on, man? We talk and he's like, Hey, by the way, let's ride. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck you, man. And you know, like it's, it's, it's like the easiest jab at Denver right now. And the last thing I'll say is that you're right. And, and what I, the realization I had was man at this point, and we're not far in. And I really do think the future is still like, it's brighter than it was last year. I think maybe not immediately this year, but long-term, I think we're in a better spot. We'll see how Russell turns us around. But like, as of today, I would have rather traded for their backup. I would have rather have given all this money and all that was picked up for Geno Smith than I would have for Russell. And I never thought I would have said that. Yeah. But the way they've been playing, he's been killing it. His QBR is top five in the NFL and Russell is way, way down. I mean, yeah. he's in the, I think he's below starting. And like, I think he's actually, and let me just double check myself for, I give a, a bad stat here, but yeah, he's, he's 29th in quarterbacks right now. And uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence is above him. Carson Wentz is above him by a lot. It's crazy, man. Yeah. We have every measure so far this season through week seven, that the problem in Seattle was not P Carroll. It was Russell Wilson. Right. Yeah. Like Which, everybody again, made that a, a big thing. I've been saying this for, for three years now. It's feeling like I'm screaming into the void. You know, I Russ can be a really good quarterback. And it's honestly, it's interesting that we've had this conversation now about multiple different quarterbacks today. But you can, if, if you limit what Russ does, all the best years with Russ were not when Russ was cooking. It's when Russ has a good running game and a solid defense and he throws the ball 25 to 30 times a game using play action with a simplified offensive scheme. All of this extra stuff that these guys and these ego plays that these massive contracts and everything else, and they want to be the guy it's actively hurting them as players. And I think Dallas is so far the one that's kind of leading the charge on it. And so far with, with Dak, Dak looked awful in week one against Tampa Bay. Then they go on this stretch where they play well with Cooper rush game one, they bring him back. Dak looks great after not playing for, for six weeks. So the only problem is, are you going to get Russell Wilson to buy into that? And I don't know if you are, you know, I think there, I, I think th you will, but that's because I'm a glass half full guy. And I think if nothing's worse than what it is now, that's probably true, which is why the, the injury that mysteriously popped up that no one can figure <laughs> out where it came from yeah. uh, seems very telling. All right, let's take a quick break. we got four more games we got to hit, and then we'll get everybody on your way. Uh, we'll be right back on the other side. Quick break, then we got four more. The late slate to wrap up the pod. All right, last four games starting for the later afternoon slate. Uh, none of these games were particularly interesting. Honestly, all of the last four games. Uh, as a whole, how did we feel about the games on Sunday? Really, We really didn't have any particularly close games. Now it was more about the big upsets. It was like you said, the Panthers, it was the commanders. And besides that, it was like, all right, some pretty basic play. Yeah. Um, nothing great. It was a good weekend. It was a good Sunday to be locked into your team, punching their ticket to the world series. I'll say that. Yes. Uh, we'll talk about Texans Raiders here. The Raiders now two and four have looked good. The last three weeks, get their first win, almost pull off the upset against Kansas city. They had a buy. Uh, and then now show up against the, the Houston Texans, who have been frisky this year, uh, and hang up 38 on them, 21 of that coming in the fourth quarter. I still feel like this Raiders team is kind of the same as what we've seen over the last few years, which is crazy to think since they added Devontae Adams. Um, but 
Josh Jacobs has been the one that for them where him and Miles Sanders, both those guys who were uh, and Chubb was the other one all in that running back class who are on contract years, who know that they have to kind of prove their worth. All three are having really good seasons, but I will say this when the Raiders offense is clicking, they are explosive. And right now they rank pretty high uh, in the league in offensive rating as a, as a team so far. So um, I guess the question here is, what I because I don't think they can win the division, but then again, you never know. Do the Raiders end up finishing second? And we'll get to the Chargers in a little bit, but the Chargers getting injury after injury. Do the Raiders end up finishing second in the AFC West? I'd say they're I, I say no, but I think you could easily say they're they're a high third or a second, and those could flop between the next two teams or them and the Chargers. Because here's the thing: they have those standout players. Jacobs right now out of the backfield is actually number one in PFF for running backs. Devontae Adams on the outside, right? He's a top 10 guy uh, in PFF. They have some great players. Max Crosby's been killing it still. Harmon on the backside. They've got some like really high players. The problem is it's not as consistent. You look throughout the rest of their linebacking core. It just hasn't really gotten it done Uh, up front on the line. It's so hit or miss, but they obviously yesterday ran the ball extremely well. So it's like, you know, if this team can gel and get together, like we talked about with, the Titans and even with Indy a little bit, what they need to do, if this team can run the ball well, guess what? They don't have to use they – they can use play action to set them up, but you have Devontae Adams. All you need to do is run the ball well and get a one-on-one. Screw play action. If you get a one-on-one with him, you throw it up every time. And, and I really do think that that's what makes this offense so terrifying. You know, on the defensive side, like I said, they have some guys, but they can be picked apart. So you're going to have to score points if you want to win Vegas. And I don't know if they can – I think they can do that. I don't think they can do that to a point um, with a well-rounded team like the Chargers can, but if they keep having injuries and they can't come back healthy, this Raiders team is definitely second best. I mean, Denver's not up there. Yeah. And in in those, I mean, those three games that, that you referenced Josh Jacobs going off, man, he's got three straight games of, of over 140 rushing yards and he's doing it out of the backfield too, catching the ball. He's had, I think one, uh, touch, uh, receiving touchdown in that stretch as well. It, it's been wild, right? It's like, and you at the same time, Devontae Adams in that stretch is probably getting eight to nine catches a game. So this offense is explosive, and, and the defense is starting to figure it out a little bit. Uh, Mac Crosby is is just an absolute game wrecker uh, on, on defense. But apart from that on defense, I'm not thrilled with anything else that they really have. Uh, besides him and Chandler Jones getting to the quarterback. So uh, for that reason, I'm out, as they say, on uh, on Shark Tank. Shark Tank. Uh, but, like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm not – I think they can put up points with with the best of them. Uh, but when they get down to the, down the stretch and they're playing these division games against tough defenses, uh, they got to play the Niners. They got to play the Chiefs. Uh, those are their last two games of the year. They're playing the Rams. They play the Broncos again. Uh, again, the they Patriots. play the Broncos. So – so uh, th- that's a lot of tough defenses that that can limit the damage, uh, and and conversely, those teams have decent enough offenses. I think that can put up enough points uh, to to keep it close. I mean, it's not going to be blowout games, right? They gave up twenty eight points to the Texans, who are not an explosive offense. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think you're going to see a lot of that uh, over over the next few weeks. But at the same time, there's a lot of games they can win. They're playing at New Orleans, at Jacksonville, home against Indy, at Denver, at Seattle, at the Chargers, at the Rams, and then at the Steelers. Those are all winnable games. 
Um, and then who knows, right? I mean, Niners, Kansas City. I mean, I would expect the Niners towards the end of the season to look better, but that all that defense didn't look that great yesterday. Uh, we'll get to that game here in a little bit. And so far over the last three games, they're averaging 33 points a game. Uh, they've scored 99 points in the last three weeks after averaging, uh, I think it's 21 and a half uh, through the first three games. So it's a huge jump. And I don't think it's coincidence that that happened, um, Scotty, in those games where Josh Jacobs has been running the football. So the more they're able to run the football, the more they're able to move the football, the danger, the more dangerous this offense becomes because it opens up so much of what they can do in the passing game between Waller, who's been banged up this year. And then obviously you saw, I mean, Mac Hollins all of a sudden having yeah. this resurgence in his career has been really fun. Um, the defense, no question, is is not great. And, and I don't think it's going to. I don't think they end up being some sort of contending team. But could they be a team? Like, I'm not going to say they're going to be like Cincinnati last year, but it's not that far off from what Cincinnati was last year. Cincinnati found no. a running game. They could air it out. Their defense was okay. But then towards the end of the season, started playing better. And next thing you know, we, we're talking about Cincinnati in the Super Bowl, right? And again, I'm not going to sit here and say, I think the Raiders are going to the Super Bowl. But, no, but for them to be like, a team that makes the playoff and maybe you know wins a game, despite the fact that they're two and four, it does seem like their offense has figured something out. And their overall PFF grade has improved every single week since week one. And I'll tell you what makes it more dangerous. If they can go out and get a guy like uh, to, to be good in that, in that second level, if they can go out and get like a Roquan Smith, I don't know if they have the capital for that, uh, but if they can get a guy like that, uh, a superstar that can that can be really good in the second level. Like who's good on the Panthers? Just go ahead and <laughs> yeah, right. Burns. Or, or that, yeah, yeah. Um, but that that's a difference maker. I mean, like, because otherwise, like, I'm looking at the defense and I'm like, if they don't get to the quarterback, like, you know, it's 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 not a real threat. So no, something to plug up the 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 defense like that would be huge. No, you're right. You're you're 100 right. I'm trying to look up because I believe. Max Crosby is still leading the league in sacks. Um, but he, I think he's got seven on the season so far. So Max Crosby's playing really good football for them. Um, but other than that, yeah, there's no one else really. You look at this defense and you think, oh, yeah, they got that guy. I mean, the secondary is bad. And I think it's going to be a lot of shootouts. Like, I think they're going to be a really fun team to watch. I think as East Coast people, we're lucky that they're mainly going to be in that second – slate of games those four o'clock 425 kickoff games where we're going to be able to watch them pretty much every single week uh, and hopefully do really fun things but I just wouldn't be surprised if they start two and four they end the season like 10 and seven or nine and eight and we talk about them sliding in as a wild card because the next game we're going to talk about here talking about the Chargers the Chargers are incredibly banged up um, already lose Rashawn Slater for the season. Joey Bosa is not expected to come back until the end of November. So right off the bat to your best players, uh, Mike Williams has a high ankle sprain. He's going to be out for the next month to month and a half. Yeah. After uh, Keenan Allen just came back, Keenan Allen just comes back, but he's also liable to always end up getting a tweaking a hamstring. And then he's going to miss some time, right? That happens seemingly every single week for the chargers. And then they lose JC Jackson, who's their big prized you know, off-season acquisition, and Asante Samuel Jr. has had a disappointing sophomore campaign after being really, really good as a rookie. This Chargers team is in some trouble, and I know the Seahawks' offense has been really good, but 
they shouldn't have put up 37 against the Chargers. And this game was over fast. This game was over 17 nothing at ha- after the first quarter. And yeah, the Chargers tried to make a little bit comeback. They scored two touchdowns there in the second quarter, but the second half was all Seattle. Um, I don't know. I think the Chargers season is likely headed for the drain right now. Um, and Seattle, on the other hand, I think Seattle should win the division. Scotty, how about that? Ooh. I think they're going to win the. I think they're going to win the NFC West. Stick it to your boys. How pissed would that make you, man? You you finally thought, all right, Russell Wilson's gone. Russell Wilson's out. I never have to deal with him again. And yet, they could end up winning the division in front of your guys. That combined with the fact that the reigning Super Bowl champs are so hungover that they have a quarterback that can't throw, uh, and the the one good explosive offense remaining in the division is absolutely horrible and dysfunctional. This is set up for us to to do it, and I swear to God, if that happens, Jeff, I'm gonna be so mad. <laughs> like for your sake, I don't want it to happen. But I'm not gonna lie. There's a there's a part of me that really really wants that to happen. I do think that, I do think San Francisco is the better team, and we'll talk about what Christian McCaffrey because we didn't get a chance to talk about that last week. Um, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the impact we think he will make here when we talk about them and uh, Kansas City. But I don't know, man. The Seahawks offense is really good, and Kenneth like Walker the third is really freaking he's a, good, man. He's a beast. This is my kind of football team. Like this is this is what I think. If you grew up in the early two thousands or late nineties, like this is football. It's running. It's it's really efficient quarterback play. Not making mistakes. Even, and having a good defense. Even those those early two thousands Seahawks teams with like Dilfer and and when Marshawn Lynch had just got there, right? Those it's it's that kind of of play. Like efficient quarterback, good running game, uh, solid enough defense. I mean, yeah, there are no Sean Alexander's there. I mean, that was a yeah but yeah. still but still i i get what you're saying i mean the fact that Pete carroll wants to go back to that and the fact that again through seven games through two months of the season we're almost through october it's proved that he's right now let's see what happens in the next three years but it's man hats off to them and hats off to everyone thinking oh they're blowing up they're going to rebuild they're going to rebuild they're better than the broncos straight up and they beat us and they deserve to and uh, i'm you know you got to give credit where credit's due it is interesting to go back to that week one game against Denver and think, oh, man, like everyone thought this was a crazy upset. And it's like, no, I, I just Seattle's just a way better team. Yeah. Um, I mean, his Geno Smith stats this year, 1,700 yards, 73.5% completion percentage leading the NFL. Eight, and the thing is, too, it's not even dink and dunks. It's a, he's attempt or averaging eight yards per attempt, 11 touchdowns, three picks. He's the sixth highest rated passer in the NFL this year, according to PFF. Um, yeah. And the and and by the way, the only one there is one ahead of him. There's two ahead of him that probably don't count. One is Andy Dalton. The other one is PJ Walker. Yeah. So you take out Dalton and PJ Walker, and it goes Mahomes, yeah. Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Geno Smith. And, and Geno spent four weeks, four or five weeks at the top of that list. Yeah. yeah and and they're second in points for. So just to tell you, they're scoring points. Yeah, and their defense is actually let their tied for twenty eighth in points against. So when you look at the stats, it's like this is actually an offensive juggernaut team. This is a team that has to outscore their opponents, and it's wild. I mean, they they've put points up, and you know, it, I saw DK went down and was out of the game. Is it, does anyone know his status? Because that was the only concern I had for the Seahawks moving forward. 
Uh, it's they said today he won't need knee surgery. So because he was carted off, and that's yeah. that was scary. Yeah. Um, no knee surgery. He'll probably miss a few, uh, probably a month or so. <laughs> um, but hopefully should get him back this year. Good. But take a look at their schedule. They have the Giants this week, Cardinals, Tampa Bay, Vegas, hammer the over. I'm going to hammer that, that <laughs> game's over already. Uh, Rams and then Carolina, San Francisco, Kansas City, Jets, Rams. Depending on how the season breaks, if the Giants aren't as good as we think they are, if Arizona is, is as bad as we kind of think they are, if Tampa Bay continues to struggle, um, if the Rams continue to struggle, if the Jets you know, lose a lot because they lose Brees Hall and one of their offensive linemen, we could be sitting around looking at the Seahawks here as like a 10 to 12 win team against all odds. Yeah. But they obviously need some things again. Like if the, if the giants aren't as good as we think, if Arizona doesn't turn their whole season around right now with D hop coming back, like there's a lot of ifs, um, but there's a lot of winnable games on that schedule. And I'll tell you what, this offense has played really good defenses and they've played not good defenses and it hasn't really mattered. They've been able to score points regardless. Um, biggest miss in the draft for me, probably in a long time, Charles cross has been unbelievable. It's been unbelievable. Um, as they're starting to, ta- I think he's their left tackle. I mean, yep. Hey, you know, Hey, I, we all get them wrong, right? That's the beauty of the draft. Um, I roasted them for that pick and he's been fantastic. Same thing with the Kenneth Walker pick. I didn't understand why this team would go draft a running back. Um, but then you look at the, other, I mean, they have two rookie cornerbacks starting for them. Tariq Woolen is a stud. He's great. He's been amazing. Yeah. And Kobe Bryant's been really good for them too. So they're young and they're getting better. It's funny, man. They're they're team. they are going to be the team that I think most like casual fans or even just like NFL fans who aren't a rival of the Seahawks are going to be rooting for that Seahawks team because between oh, Pete gosh. Carroll, the way that it seemed like they got dragged through the mud with everything with the Russell Wilson stuff, they've really come out to be the good guys in this situation. No offense, there, just uh, Vito. I'm not trying to shit no. on your guys, but just when I thought it was over. Eh, it's still genomes uh, at some point, at some point, it's still going to come back. Uh, all right. Two more games here. Chiefs Niners. Uh, the Chiefs are so fucking good. Yeah. We got Mahomes. Yeah. That was a classic Mahomesing. Uh, the first half was competitive though. The first half of that game was fun, but that Andy Reed school of uh, mid game adjustments came and reared its ugly head and, uh, and they put on a clinic against the Niners. Um, let's, I mean, cause look, I, I don't think there's a whole lot for us to take away in this game. Niners still a little banged up on defense. Um, the offense that we saw yesterday is not likely going to be the same version of the offense we see moving forward. So let's talk about Christian McCaffrey, because to me, running back is one of those positions where obviously when you have one of the elite guys, it does make a difference in the game. And Christian McCaffrey is one of those guys, particularly with an offensive mind like Kyle Shanahan. So how much does Christian McCaffrey improve this offense? And is there a chance that maybe there's a little bit too much going on for us to fully is, are there going to be too many moving pieces? Cause I've seen that argument yeah. floated around Twitter as well. I, I, I have too. And I think there's some, some credence to that. Like Christian McCaffrey and Debo effectively do the same thing, right? Uh, they, you can line them up wide and throw them the ball. You can throw them the ball out of the backfield. Uh, you, you, you can let them run uh, on on designed zone run plays or traps. So when you have two of those guys, it, it makes it difficult, especially with all the drama off season that Debo was like, 
uh, you need to pay me for for my usage. Uh, and they finally did. Now they've got uh, another uh, version of that. Uh, I, I it's it's going to be weird too. And the other thing I'll, I'll say about that is that this is where sometimes the offense gets too cute with Kyle Shanahan. And I've lamented about that on the podcast in, in previous weeks this season, let alone uh, over the course of uh, of the last few seasons. Um, but like at at the end of the day, you know, even even the uh, the fact that that this week the offense was a little more simplified because it was McCaffrey's first week. The, the fact that he played was unbelievable, number one. But the fact that you had to simplify the offense, it was uh, giving the ball to zone run, obviously. Uh, you know how to do that because you're a smart football player. Um, but I, I do think that there there is there is space enough to to have uh, some real issues uh, getting too overly complicated in the offense. I think its final version, like its final evolution, could look unbelievable, like nothing else we've ever seen, um, especially next year when Trey Lance comes back. But this year alone, I I, I think there could be a, a little bit too much. Uh, a little too much dependence on one or the other and uh, in McCaffrey or, or Debo. No, I, I see. I disagree, man. I think this is great. I think this is the best thing that you guys could have done because I, yes, they do different things, but one's a receiver that plays running back. One's a running back that plays receiver. And uh-huh. I think what this allows you to do is all that motion that you guys are doing anyway, all that stuff. You have another guy that you have to imagine this. Imagine you see Debo running across the thing. Like, are they going to snap it? Oh shit. And you run out with him. And then McCaffrey goes out from the backfield and all of a sudden you were lined up and in a heavy formation on defense. And now they got five wide and all of them are threats. Like the, the creativity. And again, I love Kyle Shanahan. I love, like I had texted you boys, like right when this happened, it's like, man, and it's been said now, right? McCaffrey's dad played for Shanahan's dad in Denver. That's like the, when I was growing up as a fan um, and, and McCaffrey's best play was a block. Uh, that's the kind of family he comes from. They're football guys. And I just love both these guys. I think are football guys and the, the football we're about to see is going to be very creative, right? You have a great tight end, you have a great fullback, and you have people who just are ball players. And that's what this team is. And I love that. I love this offense. I think this is the jolt you guys need. And yeah, it's going to be a, a two guys who do the same thing. But what that is, is really productive play. So yeah. I think the I just, more I just think there'll be growing get, pains. The better. Yeah. I think there will be some growing pains. And I think they're going to, over time, they will make things a little bit um, more complicated as the season goes on. However, I also think, and I really kind of hope they do this i want to see san francisco run the same types of offense they were doing a year ago when elijah mitchell was breaking out but do that with christian mccaffrey yeah right and then you can sprinkle in a little bit and slowly kind of develop because on paper i think the only other weapons room to to kind of make a blanket room there that you put all these guys in that holds a candle or is i think maybe even better is philly i think philly's room of weapons is on par, if not better, than what San Francisco has now with Christian McCaffrey. And I think there's a really strong argument that San Francisco yeah. on paper is the best. We've just we've seen it with Philly, which is why I would give them the nod. I want to see them get downhill and run the ball because Carolina, before they traded him, was actually running the ball pretty successfully with mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey. He's going to be behind a better offensive line. They're going to dress up simple running concepts with this pre-snap motion with Debo, but it's basically going to be simple zone schemes where they're handing the ball off to Christian McCaffrey and he's going to be able to get downhill and make things happen. And then, yeah, you slowly add in this, all right, we're going to put Debo and Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. The one caveat with this whole thing is that it's still Jimmy G playing quarterback. 
which we had a bad Jimmy G in the second half against Kansas City this past weekend. But then again, who on earth is able to go toe-to-toe with Mahomes? There's one other guy, and his name's Josh Allen. So I don't necessarily fault Jimmy G for that. I do think Jimmy G needs to play perfect game manager football, which he's fully capable of doing. Get the ball out to the guys who can make plays. I think this offense is going to be really good. I'm a little worried with the offensive line. The offensive line has not looked great, and they've been a little banged up. McGlinchey's been in and out of the lineup a bunch too. Uh, Warrington, Pennsylvania product. He got beat so bad. And yeah, yeah, and and so I don't know. I'm I'm excited just to watch it all come together. Um, because I think end of fun. The, uh, the weird thing is too is like imagine if because I mean, they have McCaffrey under contract for another three years. If Trey Lance turns into anything, right, with his oh speed God. and running ability, with the guys they're going to have here, I mean they're going to have McCaffrey, Lance, and Debo all locked up on the contracts for the foreseeable future. And Kittle hasn't really even gotten going either. So I do think this boosts their offense. I think it's crazy that he got traded late Thursday night and then suited up and played and then was actually touches. Yeah. Yeah. And was pretty productive in that, in that lineup was, was solid. So uh, I think it only means good things for the Niners offense, but I do agree with you, Scotty. I do think it's going to take a few weeks of just kind of getting used to it all before we see them kind of really explode. Uh, All right. Last game of the night, Sunday night football, Steelers, Dolphins, um, snooze fest of a game, zero points scored in the second half. Uh, Tua comes back from injury. It was nice to see him coming back and, and, and healthy. Um, however, the irony of him saying pregame to, I forget who the sideline reporter who took over for Michelle Tafoya, um, she had interviewed him earlier in the week and he said he was uh, going to really focus on um, not taking hits, sliding more, making sure he wasn't going to get hurt. And Tua was just using his head as a batting ram um, going up against like linebackers and, and safeties head first. So how funny is that? I mean, like at like, that point, just, like just, that's just, it's not funny that it happened. It's funny yeah. that he said that and he's going to focus on it. And like, it was the f- second drive and he just goes head first to a linebacker and you're like, oh, okay, that's not what you yeah, said, but not, not quite what you said, but you said the right thing. It's almost as if a media team trained you to say what you were supposed to say. And it was also <laughs> the timing of like, it was literally that last sideline report right before kickoff that they yeah. went to her and she said all that. Um, I'm not going to lie. I turned on the season finale of House of Dragons and watched this one on the laptop because I knew this game was going to be boring. Same. I'll, I'll give uh, Tua the benefit of the doubt and say, hey, it's Rust. He hasn't gotten to play a whole bunch over the last few weeks. A win's a win. It happens. Um, but I, I, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I feel like this, the, the flash in the pan that was the Miami Dolphins through the first three weeks in that offense – that offense is closer to what we saw last night than what it was what we saw the first three weeks of the season, which is not to say, because I think it's somewhere in the middle. I don't think they're as bad as only putting up 16 points against a pretty bad Steelers team, but the Steelers team plays hard. And we've seen that now in back-to-back weeks um, and, and they're not going to give up and they're, they are going to make things hard for you defensively. Uh, Kenny Pickett struggled big time on the other side here, uh, but I don't know. I mean, Dolphins are sitting there four and three, and obviously, with, with everything going on with the Jets, who knows what we're going to see with the Jets and moving forward with the injuries that they're dealing with. And now Zach Wilson's taking over full time. Um, it kind of feels like the AFC East started off really hot, but I kind of feel like we're going to end up with the New England Patriots winning this division again. Over the Bills? That's Sorry, wild. Not the Bills. Sorry. <laughs> I meant to say the Bills. 
and I said the Patriots. That's a Freudian slip. I apologize. Um, no, the Bills are going to be the runaway favorites <laughs> to win this division. Um, but I the do Bill think, Belichick's. I do think that there will be at least one other team in this division who makes the postseason, and I think that team will be New England. That's what my brain tried to say, and instead it just mashed it together into an incoherent sentence. No, I mean i I don't think that's a. I get why you would think that. I just, I still am on the side of this Dolphins team has so much talent. I mean, it's just wild when you see these receivers run. When you're watching the game, I can't believe they scored 16 points because those receivers just run open. They really do. Like, this is the closest thing you're going to see to a college offense in the NFL where your receivers get this much separation. They're yeah. killing it. And, and that's why, you know, it's all about to just deliver the ball. He didn't turn the ball over. Like, you know. It was good there, but I don't know what, what to do here with, with them because they're a team. I mean, talk about ceilings and floors. Like, how, how did they beat the Steelers by six? But how did they also go dominate a couple other teams earlier this year? I don't get them, but somehow they're winning. And you know what? Give them credit for that. But um, to have a winning record in the NFL is tough enough. But now you get the Lions, the Bears, the Browns, the Texans. You can really build on yourself here, at least when three of those – be in a good spot to make the playoffs. I think they can still outdo the Patriots that second last week. I think it's yeah, new year's day, Jeff, to your point, dolphins, Patriots. And I think the winner of that is who gets to the playoffs from this division outside of the bills. Obviously that would be epic. That'd be a hell of a way for it. Well, the thing is too, is we're going to get down to the end of the season and we're going to have Kansas city and Buffalo at like 13 and 14 wins. And then on the NFC side, we're going to have like Philly, probably Dallas with like, same 12 to 14 somewhere in that range and then everyone else in the playoff is going to be like eight to ten wins like i don't i don't think it's crazy to think that there's a good chance that we're going to have an eight and nine team make the playoffs this year it happened under the old system too with seven and nine teams that have made the playoffs and gone on and made runs i just feel like the the gap between the elites and then the next teams that are just pretty good because the teams that are just pretty good can get beat by anybody any given week. We saw that with Tampa Bay against Pittsburgh. We saw it again with Tampa Bay against Carolina this week. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a really interesting. So that's why, like, a team like the Raiders starting off, they're 2-4 and four now. I absolutely still think the Raiders have a chance of sneaking into the playoffs. The Dolphins, they have the explosive talent there. And you're right. That's such a good point about Waddle and, and Tyreek because – in college, you see these guys who are so dynamic, and you're also dealing with younger kids who make more mistakes. So you'll see guys who get burnt for 15, 20 yards of separation on a deep ball. That doesn't happen in the NFL that often. And just the speed and explosiveness of Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, um, it seems to be a weekly occurrence for them. So uh, we'll see. Any other last thoughts here before we wrap up the pod? Kyle Schwarber, Hoagie Fest, amazing. The Phillies. I'm just so excited. Playoff baseball is the fucking best. Um, and we got Monday night football tonight, uh, bears and Pats. That game's going to suck, but we're going to watch it. We're going to hate watch it. Uh, cause I can't watch playoff baseball tonight. Um, I'm so excited. I'll probably be up in Philly at some point in the next week and a half. Fingers crossed, uh, celebrating a championship. Um, but we'll see. You got a place to crash if you need my man. Always, always got me. Uh, for the boys, I'm Jeff. Everyone have a wonderful week. We will talk to you all on Friday. We'll get you guys ready. We'll hit on some of the college stuff. Kind of meh weekend in college football this weekend. So we'll get to all that uh, on Friday's pod. Have a great week. We love you. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you guys then. And as always, take it easy, everybody.